Jessica Norica became an above-the-knee amputee from a tragic motorcycle accident in October of 2021. Jessica recently went through the surgeries necessary to receive the osseointegration implant, a new technology in prosthetics. Before her amputation, Jessica enjoyed a very active lifestyle and as of February 2023, is now making the transition to walking with assistive devices. This new amputee is inspiring others with her perseverance and strength. It is our pleasure to welcome to the Amped Up to 11 podcast, Jessica Narika. Hi, Jessica. So good to see you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. How are you? I'm great. Glad to be here. And where, where, where in the world are you so our listeners know what part of the country you're in? Wisconsin. What part of Wisconsin? Uh, north of West, north of Milwaukee. Okay. West Bend. Have you ever yeah. heard of Oconomowoc? Oh, yeah. I used to live there. No kidding. I used to live there. My yes. parents used to have a house right on Oconomowoc Lake. Okay. Yeah. I lived there for, geez, I don't know how many years. My first daughter was actually, um, we lived there when she was born 27 years ago. So no kidding. Very wow. familiar with Oconomowoc. Small world, right? Yeah. That's a name that's butchered often, right? Oh, it sure <laughs> is. Yeah. I, I think I struggled. Well, my parents had a place there when I was a teenager and I think I even struggled a little bit with Oconomowoc. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you see it, you see it written out and you go, uh-oh, right. how, how do yeah. I say this? <laughs> There's an O after every, every other letter is an O. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and then I had to get used to roads that were just a single letter. Because when you go out there, I'm, I'm, I'm so used to street names and numbers yep. and like stuff. County Road A, count, Highway O. Exactly. Yep. And I thought, wow, yep. this is There's bizarre. A, they're all over here too. Yep. Yeah. So that's... Yep. Have Have you ever been told that you have a Wisconsin accent? Yes, all the time. <laughs> I was actually raised in Lacta Flambeau on an Indian reservation, and I got razzed so much. You should the accent coming from an Indian reservation. Mm. I got so much crap when I moved to Milwaukee. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so, well, it is adorable. It's not. It's not a bad thing. I I, I think it's very endearing. So, um, I want to, I want to get into, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much to cover with your particular story, given that you have gone through a motorcycle accident and, you know, now, now you're what I would consider to be a newer amputee and becoming a candidate for osseointegration which is something that, you know, as someone who wears a traditional socket, I'm fascinated by osseo, as many, as many amputees are. Your particular scenario in terms of your injury and your amputation, if I'm, if I'm understanding it correctly, I, I, I think this was probably the only option or the best option for what you were facing, correct? It was the only option due to the fact that um, I think they knew right away when they amputated my leg that 
um, I was going to be a candidate for this just because of the length, um, how much femur bone I had left. Yeah. And um, because where I was found on the ground, uh, the worst place possible, um, I, I went through a lot of uh, infection, uh, bone infection, things like that. So they had to, I believe, shorten my femur bone twice to try and stop that infection. Mm. So there is just enough femur bone there for them to be able to do this um, osseointegration. And my um, residual limb is, there's not enough there for a, a slip on. Yeah. So um, traditional think, socket is just not possible. Right. No, no. Yeah. Yep. So that was my only option. Yeah. And when you went through these revisions, I guess, I guess it's probably could be, maybe not, you know, hard to talk about when you, when you've gone through a trauma like you did and then surviving, which we're, we, we all right. come out of that, you know, thankful I'm still here, but then right. trying to understand, well, this isn't over. Like we, we have to make these, these modifications to your limb because we're, we're nervous that some, some really bad things are happening. What, what was that process like for you in terms of getting that news after your accident? Um, as far as my only option, well, or just what had happened in general. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, my, my surgery was not, it was elective in a sense. It was something that needed to happen. It was elective in a certain sense. I'm always very curious about trauma survivors because there's a, a sometimes a much bigger psychological component. So when a doctor right. says to you, this is your only option, that doesn't necessarily cleanse you of all the feelings that you have associated with, I, I can't believe I'm going under the knife again. Well, they, they actually, I believe, shortened the limb. What's your dog's um, name? What's your dog's name? <laughs> I got three of them. Oh, three. I got three of them. Yeah. Three Mo, Larry, ones. and Curly? Yeah. <laughs> right now, yes. Um, so I woke up from the surgery without the leg. And they, I don't really remember, I don't remember them shortening it mm -hmm. because I believe they had to do it like right away. Yeah. So um, it was, it was almost like consecutive, like, oh, we right. got to go further. We got to go further. Hey everybody. Today I want to talk about the Ross. The Ross is a liner cleaning system that I really feel compelled to talk about with our listeners. As most of you know that follow the podcast, I really don't do a whole lot of product endorsing, but I, I really feel that I want to get this out into the community. We all, as amputees, tend to struggle with cleaning liners, cleaning our gel liners. Whether you're below the knee or above the knee, we have these gel liners that have to stay clean. We don't want to develop skin infections, things of that nature. And having a fresh, clean liner seems to be one of the most important 
aspects of daily management of an amputee. And I was introduced to the Ross system through the company. And basically, this device is something where you can put your liner into this sort of tube, let's call it. And within 10 minutes, or if you want a deeper clean, within 20 minutes, you get a fresh clean liner. And I am just ecstatic about this. It provides me the ability to have clean liners all the time. I never have to put a liner in the tub, in the sink. I never really have to use soap and water again. And it's really been just a wonderful product and experience in terms of what is available to amputees. So I want everyone to check out the Ross. It's a great system. Check it out. Here it is. The ozone generated by Ross eliminates germs and odor-causing bacteria that soap and water alone cannot, leaving prosthetic liners smelling fresh, sanitized, and ready to wear in as little as 10 minutes. Independent laboratory tested, the device rapidly eliminates 99.9% of bacteria that causes skin and soft tissue infections. The Ross sanitation process is compatible with all liner types, makes, and sizes. As a clinical grade device for home use, Ross is convenient and easy to operate at the point of care, in a clinic, or at home while one sleeps, eats, or watches TV. Check out the Ross today. I just remember waking up um, and my left leg hurting so bad. And I, I was very out of it, obviously wasn't really, didn't know what was going on. And I, for somehow, I didn't question where I was. I really didn't question what happened or anything. I don't remember the accident, but for some reason I kind of knew where I was, I guess. I knew I was in a hospital. I guess I knew what happened, um, but my leg hurt so bad. And I asked my husband, I, apparently the first time I asked, I, I don't remember it, but my husband told me, um, I said, why does my leg hurt so bad? And I must've passed back out again, you know, all the drugs they had me on, they had me on fentanyl and I, I can't remember what else, but look, uh, IV antibiotics. Um, so, and then I woke up again and the nurse was in the room with my husband and I asked again, I said, why does my leg hurt so bad? And I guess my husband grabbed the nurse and kind of pulled her down and he was crying, she was crying and he said, I can't tell her. And she said um, something like, honey, they had to take your leg or something. And I remember her saying that and I turned my head to the left and I said, oh, what the F? That's what I said. That's, that's how I reacted to it. I, I never cried about it. I never like thought, what did, you know, what happened? What did, what did this person do to me? I just turned and my head and that's what I said. And then after that, I think I spent eight or nine days in the ICU. And I remember, I think the last day and a half, um, I remember going down to my, the trauma unit 
and um, then I was kind of told what happened and from there it was just trying to handle the pain. Yeah. And do you, if you don't mind me asking, do, do you know who this person was, this person you yeah. were involved in the accident? And where, where are you at psychologically with, with how this individual's changed your life? I don't relate it to an individual. I um, focus on what I need to do, how just being able to live and function is hard enough every day. Yeah. All the ways around things and stuff like that. I, I believe I was told he wanted to meet me at one point and I told, you know, I said, no, I don't, I just, I don't want it to trigger anything. Yeah. First of all, because honestly, I'm fine. I don't. You don't need him mad. in your orbit to get no, closure. No, no, not at all. Yeah. I need to just enjoy my life. Yeah. Um, I don't want to relate this to a person. Yeah. I guess I don't. Um, I'm not. I, I'm not mad. You know, I don't live depressed. Um, I, it, you know, life is hard enough. I, I just want to try and stay positive and happy and take care of what I need to take care of and just be able to function during the day. It's, <laughs> it's, I appreciate your honesty and it's certainly an extraordinary coping skill that, that you've managed to engineer to survive. I've been this. asked that a lot. Yeah. To survive this because so often someone might say, well, don't, don't you want to say something? Don't you want to, you know, feel like there's something you need to sort of get off your chest. And I always say, wouldn't that give that particular component of this a lot of power over me? Like suddenly I'm almost like giving power to what happened rather than just fueling my recovery and my adjustment to this new life. If I focus on right. that and dedicate all my energy to that, because really when someone causes a situation like the one that's happened to you and they're looking for some kind of closure, relief, forgiveness, it's not your job to provide that. No. It's not, you, you are not, you know, governed in a way that requires you to give that to someone. You are the victim in this situation. So you get to decide how you're going to move forward. Right. I, you know, and the other thing is, he, he didn't go out that morning, you know, intending on almost killing somebody. Yeah. So I, I think that helps me with, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at this person. Again, I don't know him. I don't want to know him. Yeah. Um, it was an accident and I, you know, unfortunately it was me at the, you know, at the bad end of the accident. So yeah, I don't, 
I just try not, I, I honestly, I really don't think about the person yeah. that did this to me hardly ever. It could, it could be, you know, processing that as an unfortunate event that occurred in your lifetime. Yeah. Right. And not letting it necessarily define you, but also providing you a true test of your resiliency and how your plan is to now live this very, very, you know, positive kind of life. I meet, you know, up until I became an amputee, this was quite rare, but now that I am one and have been for six years, I, I do meet many amputees that became, you know, uh, suffered limb loss through a motorcycle accident. And it's sort of a, a remarkable thing and something that I, I, my curious mind goes to, what would you want the public to know in terms of, you know, on the roads, safety, driving automobiles around people on motorcycles? I, you know, admittedly, before I became an amputee, Honestly, Jessica, I never really thought about it. I, I really didn't. And now that I am an amputee and I meet so many people that have gone through limb loss as a result of the type of accident you had, I see a motorcycle and I just get away. I do whatever I can to not only get away from them, but give also them their, give them their space, give them their space. But also, I even find myself trying to govern others from getting yeah. too close to them. Like, you have to understand, like, they're in a vulnerable situation. They're not surrounded yeah. by all this, you know, this steel right. and fiberglass the way we are. Right. right. They're very exposed. So, I mean, what would you want to put out into the public space to say, Hey, you know, maybe think about this the next time you see someone on a motorcycle. Well, it was the, you see the signs everywhere, watch for motorcycles. And that's how it happened. Uh, and apparently it is what the person repeatedly said over and over after he hit me. I just didn't see her. I didn't see her. I just didn't see her. Um, and I wasn't a passenger. I was actually you know, driving the motorcycle on my way to work. It was 7.30 in the morning, um, completely the other person's fault. Um, I was fully dressed, helmet, always wore a helmet, yeah. always. Um, it was October, so it was going to be a nice day. And I thought, you know, there's not many nice days left to ride. So I'm like, I'm going to go to work and come home both. You know, I looked at the weather and it was going to be nice both ways. So um, you know, helmet, leather jacket, gloves. Um, luckily, thank God I was fully dressed, but I would just, I would say is just watch for motorcycles, just watch for them. So be alert, make eye contact. Yeah. You know, that was what we were taught, you know, when, when I was, um, getting my license, always make eye contact. Yeah. And, I was told that I don't remember saying this to the sheriff that showed up, but I, 
apparently I said, I looked right at him. I looked right at him. And yeah. then I kind of passed out again. Yeah. So. Yeah. And how long had you been an avid, avid uh, you know, cyclist before you uh, had the accident? I had my license for 22 years. Wow. That's a long, my, it's a long yeah. run. That is a yeah. long run. And I know it's, it's very much a, it's, it's a culture, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle and, and so many people are motorcycle, you know, enthusiasts and it, it can be, uh, an incredibly beautiful leisure activity. It's very liberating yeah. for a lot yes, of people. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a place that some go to, to get in touch you know, with a, with a part of their spirit and their soul that they can only feel when they are on a bike. And I get it. I do. I do. It's very true. Yeah. And I, I hear people in those communities speak about it in a very, very passionate way. You know, I, I have childhood friends that, you know, do Sturgis, they do all kinds of stuff and they talk about it in a very, very romantic kind of way. It's very important to them. So, you know, your transparency is appreciated. So often these things can be pretty difficult to talk about because it taps into something that, you know, can sort of bring to the surface a lot of, a lot of difficult feelings that sometimes we just want to put away. But I can right. tell you by by bringing that to the audience, you're helping a lot of people. You're helping a lot of us that are in those dark spaces that are struggling with whatever trauma they may have experienced. Right. And are now part of this club that I don't think anyone <laughs> wants to be no. a part of. No. No, I've, I've never, I've I've never had anyone ask me, where where do I sign up to become one of you? It's, it's definitely not, you know, something people desire and, but here we are. I want to get in more into the Osseo part of your journey because again, I, I wear a traditional socket and Osseo integration seems to be coming on fast and furious in terms of its availability, right. um, the amount of practitioners that right. are employing it now, you know, years Very ago. Few. Yep. Yep. In the United States anyway, right yeah. now. Yeah. So yeah. can, can, can you walk us through your experience post-op and then some of those phases of getting evaluated and then obviously getting the implant. Right. So there were two stages. Um, I was completely, um, none of it happened while I was in the hospital. Um, I did, however, receive the um, TMR surgery. I believe it's targeted muscle reassignment surgery. I believe that's what it means. Um, so I was able to get that right before I left the hospital to help with the phantom pain. Um, so like I said, there's two stages. Stage one is the placement of the fixture. So oh, I believe, so I was in the hospital for four weeks. Uh, that was, so I got out approximately November 
16th, 17th or something like that. Uh, my first surgery was in April of 22. The accident was in 21. So April of 2022, I had the placement of the fixture and it's, um, it's just like a hollow threaded piece of metal that they actually put inside my femur bone. Um, so they actually scraped out the inside of the femur bone and, um, uh, used some, uh, bone grafting and they, they put it all back in, in the middle of this fixture. So your skin or not your skin, but everything like adheres to that metal that's inside the femur. It, it becomes part of your femur bone. So then I had to wait three months in uh, July. I believe it was July. I did stage two was the soft tissue work, which was debulking of the, you know, my limb. Um, they had to take a lot of skin off. So none of it would hang over the abutment when it, uh, the part that sticks out of your leg is called the abutment and that's what uh, attaches to the leg. So they, they don't want too much skin or anything hanging over that. They want it clear to help prevent infection. Yeah. So, um, uh, Dr. Nielsen, fortunately at Fredert, uh, I was lucky enough to be at that hospital where, um, Dr. Nielsen is a ortho oncology surgeon and assistant professor at the hospital. I know he teaches in other countries, so I was um, extremely fortunate to have him right there. Very lucky. So um, stage two then was uh, attaching the abutment and then they actually um, take part of your leg. For me, they took a back, like a flap, if you want to say, and um, they pretty much scrape, scrape every, like the, the layers of skin down to, I believe the last two layers, I think. And then they, they cut a hole and then they lift that up and put it over that abutment. So that's, that's how your skin um, forms around the abutment. And that was the two stages of surgery and, um, not fun. Uh, <laughs> um, those stages, recovery. yeah, those stages, what, what is that course of time? Uh, so April was the stage one and I believe July was stage two. Okay. So this is, this could be over the course of four to six months that you're mm -hmm. sort oh, of yeah. getting all those components, pieces put together. And this right. is well before we're, we're even donning a prosthesis. Oh yeah. I, uh, when, I can't, I can't even remember how long, two to three months post-surgery after this phase two is when, um, I went in for my training leg. They, they call it a duck foot pretty mm. much. Yeah. And it's, it's just a uh, knee level. So, uh, I first had to start bearing weight on that femur bone, uh, leaning on a scale. 
So 20 pounds of pressure for two weeks, go up to 40 pounds of pressure for a couple of weeks, 60 pounds of pressure. Uh, so it's very long. You, you, you got to build up that femur bone again because it hasn't been used in over a year. So yeah. um, it took quite a while. And then until you actually are, I was able to lean all my weight on that scale, on that um, training leg. And then I started crawling. They had me crawling to get used to the motion mm-hmm. of, you know, something attached to your femur bone that's not the rest of your leg moving you know crawling with it forwards and backwards i had to do that for months Mm. and then um with that training leg on using you know the rubber bands you get in physical therapy uh strengthening my hip and getting that that femur bone used to um weight and resistance in each direction. So I would lift up to the side. I would have to lift back. I would lift, um, go in. So it was a lot. It's it was a, pro- a lot, but it, I, yeah, it's yeah. a huge, it's a huge it's process. A long process. It's a huge process. And, and given that process, that struggle, everything that you've gone through and p- p- please don't take this as just, you know, like a, like a flippant, you know, comment. What do you say when someone just says, "Why, Jessica? Just stay in a wheelchair." Well, no one has said that to me, <laughs> so. Well, don't, uh, <laughs> don't don't be surprised. Yeah. If someone does. Yeah, I. Like, why go through, Jessica? Why go through all of this? This seems so hard. Why not just stay in a chair? Well, the thing about that is everybody that I know that knows me, very active, very active, worked out, um, bicycling, um, running. I was a runner. I worked out at Planet Fitness three, four, five days a week, um, walking my dogs every day, two, three miles, um, extremely active. So that was also my husband talked with the surgeons and the head of the PT department at Freightert from the beginning and kind of, I guess, warned them that <laughs> this might be very, very hard for me Yeah. Um, because of how active I was. Yep. Uh, and it just seemed to light a fire under them. It's really hard to explain. We had nurses telling my husband and I, you know, Dr. Del Toro doesn't normally come up and visit patients, you know, before they even know what's going on in their hospital room, still in the ICU. So when you hear people say, oh, the, you know, the hospital, the nurses at the doctors were so great. I can't even tell you the above and beyond that I received. It was, I, I, I miss them. Yeah. I mean, I miss them. I love going back to see them. Yeah. Those, those teams of people are critical in, in us surviving these, these tragedies. And I'm in a similar situation where, um, 
you know, I, I credit them directly for my own successes. And, and I, I do believe that the sort of synergy and energy that gets created between you and your team <clears throat> is really a beautiful, it, it's, it's sort of a beautiful exchange because the more that I do and the more that right. I achieve, right. they, they see that as their victory. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So, so 100%. when I see, uh, you know, my orthopedic doc, or I see anyone that was on my original team in terms of my, uh, I had an infectious disease doctor. When I, when I, I see one of those, yeah. When I see <laughs> these people now, yeah, I see their eyes light up. Yeah. Because to them, I'm, I'm like their trophy. Like, wow, we did that. Like, you know, we kept this person alive. They're living their life and they're happy. And, and I think for, for some of the talented medical people out there, there's a big thank you there that, you know, Hey, um, thank you for your service. Thank you for, you know, all the time that you dedicate to people that go through these struggles and come out on the other right. side, you know, right. trying to live their best lives, live out their best lives. And right. <clears throat> I have been asked that question, you know, why, you know, why go through all that? And why, you know, why not just get accustomed to a wheelchair and things are, you know, things are accessible now. And, and pe- you know, people, there's this perception, like people in wheelchairs, they, they get a lot of you know, kind of like benefits, you know, they, 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 they get a lot of, a lot of, uh, little perks and things of that nature. And, and my response is always the same, which is that that does not represent my best life. You know, my, my best life is, is still yet to come. And this will not preclude me from doing all the things that I want to do and live out my dreams. And when I visualize myself, because we all have that that self-image that we project. Right. When I think of myself in my mind's eye, I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm no. I'm up, I'm moving, I'm walking, I'm 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 doing the things that I love. And everything for me is a pursuit of that. And I don't see it any other way. So right. I admire someone like yourself that has gone through what you have and going through the level of amputation that you have. And thank goodness we have the technology to put you in a right. position and a trajectory that is going right. to, is going to create a new life. It's, right. it's, I always say it's different, but it's the same. Yeah. It's just oh, different. Yeah, it's, it's different. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the things I used to be able to do, the, the stair, the stair stepper was my favorite. Um, the, you know, like I said, running, um, the roll machine, the, um, running outside, you know, being on a regular two, two wheel bike. I, and I, I don't get depressed and sad about that stuff that I can't do anymore either. I focus on 
wow, I can do the elliptical again. I have a ellipt- elliptical mode on my my uh, Autobot uh, um, app on my phone. Yeah, you know, I can do I can do the elliptical. I did it thirty minutes the other day. I'm congratulations. Up to minutes. Yes, I can do. I have a trike. I have a three wheel wheel bike that I can ride outside. Is that awesome? The the feeling of wind through your hair, the wind in my hair the first time <laughs> I got on that bike, and that was before I got my prosthetic. That was just with one leg. Yeah. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever tried this, but you know, so before I got my even my prosthetic, I was back to the working out. Yeah, I, I um, was as I well. I was better. as well. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, you got, you got to get your foot in that, you know, in that pedal at planet fitness so that the strap covers, so yeah. you, you're in there secure and you got to lift and push lift and push. I think I made it two minutes the first time, Yeah. but I gradually, you know, got myself up and, uh, for a long time, the row machine was my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> which is okay. Cause it's a full body, you know, workout. And yep. I just, with one leg, I was rowing and <laughs> I get the looks, you know, you part the seas. Like I think we talked about once before people just get out of your way. <laughs> um, and when I got my leg, when I was practicing walking on it, I did so many passes up and down all that equipment with my crutches on my pro with my prosthetic on, didn't care. You know, I don't care who looks at me. I don't care. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. You know, it, it looks different. I can't blame people for looking and I don't, I never get upset or mad at people and kids definitely say the darndest things. They certainly do. So, (laughs) especially my granddaughter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, my grandkids are, very, very young. So that's all they're going to know grandma. So they're going to know grandma with the prosthetic leg. And yeah, my, my granddaughter so okay. is my granddaughter as well, because she's four and, and I've been an amputee for six years. Okay. <clears throat> and very often she will, she will, uh, slowly approach me and she'll get really close and say, uh, grandpa, can I play with your robot leg? <laughs> and then she, she sort of walks off with it and it becomes, oh, yeah. It, be- she goes. Yeah, it becomes, uh, yeah, I'm going to need that <laughs> if I'm going right. to be able to get off the couch. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Or, 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 or what's even more fascinating is when I see her trying to put it on. <laughs> oh my. I'm like, honey, that, that, yeah, that's that, not going to work. That's not going to fit you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Cause you know, no. in their mind it's, it's cool and it's different. Yeah. And right. Yeah, they're they're full of all kinds of interesting curiosities. You know, I can tell, and I do appreciate you sending me uh, photos of you and you know, and and your husband and and your your family. Um, I can tell that you have such a strong support system, and oh. that's such a, a a critical part of this process. And you Very know, blessed. I guess where I'd want to explore a little bit without getting too personal is relationship one one or the other in in a marriage goes through something like this and that presents you know a lot of challenges in 
trying to navigate that together. And I'm not, I'm not even necessarily talking about all the physical parts of a relationship, but there, there's so many emotional components to, you know, how do we, how do we approach this in the everyday? How, how do we get through that? And right. the only reason I, 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 I think I, I want to talk about that with you is because you seem to be doing it very, very gracefully. And I, I know there's a lot of amputees that that are married and then they're not married anymore. Right. Um, right. I happen to be one of those. And there are challenges there. Some some partners right. can't do it. I mean, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. They can't. It's it's too mm-hmm. much. And that's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's a reality. And very often, new amputees will call me and say, "You know, how how do me and my my spouse, you know, navigate this?" And I, and I I have to say, well, I'm not really one to talk. I I was married before my my amputation, and I am now no longer uh, married. So. I mean, what do you see as the secret sauce? You know, what, what, what do you, how do you feel in, in those, in those spaces of your life? Honestly, my husband, Jay, it was before I left the hospital, the house was ready for me. Uh, he was so busy putting up, um, like handles all over and, getting the bathtub ready, getting me a shower seat with, with a handle that I can, you know, something to grip when I get, I mean, everything was set. He, his employer, he was at my bedside every day for, I think there was only four days out of the four weeks I was there. He was not there. Um, the hard part is when he had to go back to work and do everything, he had no problem taking care of it. He did the best job and I had help, you know, with my, my daughters, his daughters, uh, we had schedules, you know, one girl was with me for, uh, his daughter, Madeline was with me the first week I came home. They had to do the antibiotic IVs into my, um, can't remember what it's called now, but, you know, directly into my body, uh, the following week was someone else sitting with me. And then the week after it was someone else. And then, um, I have a 22 year old daughter that is still at home. She's helped me a lot. And there's still things that I can't do, um, that my husband has to still take over and do he just does it because it just has to be done. I I don't know how else to explain it. He just, he gets it. Yeah. And for us, for us to be able to live as close to what we used to be able to live, he knows he's going to always probably have to do more. 
Do you, and do he's you, totally fine with that. Yeah. Would you, would you even say that in some ways this has brought you closer? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it sounds yeah, cause that he, way. Yeah. He knows that I, I need him and he knows how much I appreciate everything else he has to do. Um, I can, we have three dogs. They're little, but you know, I can't walk them by myself. I used to walk them every day. Now that's something he has to come home after working a 14, 16 hour day and do now. Um, a lot more things around the house he has to do. I was, you know, we used to do everything together. I mean, we planted trees together out in our yard, you know, stuff like I was a very hands-on with everything we had to do around the house. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that I can't help him with now. Yeah. And oh, it frustrates me, but you know, I just, but I, well, but I call, think that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes these situations can truly bring out the best in relationships where this, this unbreakable bond gets created because you went through that struggle together. It, it was, certainly not painful in the same way that right. you that you were in pain but for him it was just as painful in other ways but and seeing me suffer was yes, so hard for him and that's what i'm referring to to see someone yeah. you love going through a trauma can be one of the most painful things you can ever experience when i when i uh I'm a kidney transplant recipient. So when I went into end-stage renal failure and doctors were saying, yeah, this is it, man. You, you got everything in order. You're, you know, this, this, this might be the end. It really wasn't, I, I really wasn't reflecting so much on my mortality as I was so busy and consumed with the terror and the pain that I was witnessing with my family and friends and mm -hmm. seeing the people that you care about so incredibly right. worried about you. Right. It's not, for me, it was right. very difficult to digest. And, and, how are, and how they act when they see you after this, right? I had so many friends that just didn't, didn't want to come over because they didn't know you know, I have a very, I'm very positive, uh, joking all the time. I swear like a sailor. <laughs> I'm Salty, keeping are it you? Very under, yeah, well, you know, I keep, I'm keeping it very under control for this, but, um, you know, I just, I'm very free, yeah. you know, and, and people were, a lot of my friends were afraid and one of them, you know, um, said that to me when she came over, she's like, I was afraid to come over. I'm like, why? Yeah. And when she first came over and we started talking and I was joking about, Oh, I make jokes about my leg missing and you know, Oh, it's terrible. You know, it, it's, and people, some people even are like, Oh my God, you know, like, I can't believe you said that, but yeah, I've, you done, know, a, I've done a few, uh, I've yeah. done a few showstoppers <laughs> myself and yeah. you know, very, very often, people will, I, I do recall a couple occasions when I first had my amputation, still in a wheelchair. 
and just kind of, you know, managing my limb, waiting for it to, to, you know, shrink down in size. Cause you know, it's just, it's, right. this, this, it's this enormous thing when you're, when right, you're first, right, yeah. when you're, when you're post-op and, um, you know, a, a friend of mine saying, uh, you know, how you doing? Um, and he, and he looked at my leg and he said, uh, there's no chance of that growing back. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of, st- yeah, right. That's the kind of stuff that goes on. You know, my husband and I will be somewhere and I'll, you know, he'll start walking and he's like, come on, catch up. And, you know, or, you know, why don't you run and run and go get this for me? And just, it's, I'm very light about the whole thing. You have to be. Well, yeah. And, you know, my friend was like, I was afraid once I started joking, I, I, who knows what comment I made about my leg or what I was saying, but she started laughing and she's like, that's when she told me I was so afraid to even come over here, but she's like, I'm glad to see that it's still you. Absolutely. It's still you. Absolutely. And, and now we just have more to talk about and joke about. Yeah. Well, my, my, my girlfriend, Sarah, uh, I had sent her, you know, a funny comic, a funny amputee, you know, little meme comic. Right. And she said, she said, wow. She said, "Do, do you see these often? And I said, honey, I said, I have literally hundreds of these in my phone. I, I pass them around amongst other amputees. They send them. Where do you find them? <laughs> they send them to me. I send oh, them. Okay. I send them to them. And you, you can find these all over the community groups. I think there's even a Facebook okay. group that's called amputee humor or something. Oh, okay. But she, she said, uh, would you mind sending some of these to me? <laughs> so, so just about every day I send her at least three or four very, very funny, inappropriate. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Totally. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's a romp and I really enjoy it. And I, and I find it to be, um, one of those ways to lighten the load of right. sometimes what feels very heavy and, it, it sort of pushes you down and you say, you know what, this is, this is my situation and I'm not going to lose my sense of humor over it. Yeah. And it, it allows me to approach life in a very, very happy way and keeps me in the right, right mindset. You know, I, I, I know we got to wrap up soon. Where, where do you see yourself? Uh, let's say if someone said to you five years from now, Jessica, what version of you is that going to be in five years? Well, I know I'll be done working. I told myself at 55, I'm going to be done working. So I will be done working. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> Hopefully, um, I'm still right now with my um, prosthetic. I'm at the point where I'm using a cane. But around the house, I can actually hobble with mm-hmm. nothing because it's it's flat, familiar ground. Yep. So I'm I I want to be able to walk my dogs again. Um, I'm going to continue doing any kind of fitness thing I can, um, and just I mean it's just it's just going to get better. Absolutely. I just want it to get better. I just want to live 
I know I'm not going to be able to do everything I was able to do before, but I want to be able to do what I'm able to do really good. Yes. And just have fun and enjoy my dogs, enjoy my family, enjoy my husband, be able to go and do stuff, travel a little more. Yep. Um, I just want to stay happy and positive. Yeah. And sharing your story and coming from this very grounded place, which I appreciate, you know, how you're approaching things. It's, it's really this no nonsense. Hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Right. I'm going right. to pursue the best version of myself, right. um, Absolutely. in the now. And right. so many people in this community ne need very much need desperately need to hear those words because right. for so many out there, they, they, they think it's over. And I tell right. them, it's only beginning. This is the right. beginning. This is just a right. new chapter. It's a challenging one, but you will find that if you engage, the rewards are extraordinary because it's a, whole, nothing, yeah. it's a whole new lease on life. Nothing feels better than an absolute stranger coming up to, to, to you and saying, you, you just inspire me. You and, just inspire me. Friends saying, you know, I just, you're so, you're so inspiring. I respect you. I have so much respect for you. Um, things like that are, you know, and then people say, well, I would have never been able to be, you know, how you are with what's going on. And I just, you know, you got to say to them, I don't know. I mean, if you're put in a situation and you have to just survive, mm -hmm. You know, you, you don't know what you're capable of. Yeah, we don't, so, we don't, we don't know until we're challenged and right, true, right. true forward movement. I always say that personal power, forward movement in life comes from struggle. When things right, are going because, great, unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> when things are going yeah. great and everything's going my way, yeah, I'm usually not evolving much, but man, right. When, when right. something really difficult shows up and I'm challenged and I have to stare down, you know, Mount Everest, so to speak, that's when the, the true improvement, movement, right. all of those great things start to happen for me. Right. And right. I appreciate you sharing your story. You're going to inspire so many people by them tapping into what you're doing and being able to relate to your experiences. Uh, Jessica, again, thank you so much. Such a pleasure to have you. My name is Rick Bonkowski. This is the Amped Up 211 podcast. I want to wish everyone health and happiness, and we will see you next time.